It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. A musicless open. We're going to fix that pretty soon. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Happy Friday. Got a lot to discuss today. NCAA Conference Championships. You have the USATF Indoor Championships as well. Um, joining me as he does every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He stars on this show, on the NCAA Track and Field Show, and on Instagram now. People are making reels out of what you say on the pod, Gordon. How's that feel? Well, if they're probably making it to make fun of me, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess any press is good press, or is that the phrase? No press is bad press. Uh, yeah, apparently the Jamaican community, Christopher Grant, great runner at Auburn, isn't too happy that I was uh, making fun of Elaine Thompson. Hurrah. Um, and then someone tweeted at me that my – criticism of her use of Twitter was not correct because she actually wasn't using Twitter. She was using Instagram, which I oh. will have, but it, it's not true though. It's true and not true at the same time. So mm -hmm. for, to recap the people who don't listen to the podcast every day, uh, <laughs> unless you're you know diehard listener, uh, Elaine Thompson Hall tweeted out hashtags incorrectly on Twitter. I made a joke mm -hmm. about it. Christopher Grant, Auburn runner, says, don't mess with my, my girl from Jamaica. No problem there. I get it. Whatever. No problem. And then someone tweeted at me saying, like, you should know that mm -hmm. it clearly was an Instagram and not a tweet, and you don't need spaces in Instagram. And I'll, first of all, like, I didn't know that, so thanks for the information. Uh, Mikel Elliott, I appreciate it. But... That doesn't excuse her. She know, if she knows she's pushing her Instagrams to her tweets, you should at least think when you're posting on Instagram to put the spaces so when it goes to yeah. Twitter that they're also clickable. So this, mm. doesn't, this isn't a lifeline for her. She still is in the wrong. You, don't, you need spaces on hashtags. 
That's all I got to say. Listen, listen. Um, I don't like to play favorites on this show, but uh, Christopher Grant is my new favorite sprinter in the 60. (laughs) I love the content. Great job. Keep it coming. It was hilarious. Uh, When Gordon sent it, watched it six or seven times. Um, It's got a future. Got a future. And I loved it. I mean, I just love the shaking of the head. I like he's just sitting there drinking his drink and the facial expressions or sometimes the facial expressions I want to make when Gordon's making a point, but he just does it so much better uh, than I could ever do. And also look at his hashtags there. Perfectly done. Hashtag flow check, hashtag joke, hashtag world yeah. athletics champs. So hashtag LOL, hashtag explore page. He's on it. He's I like that it. one. He's covering he all wants to bases. show up on the explore yeah. page. So use the hashtag. That would mean that you'd be on the Explorer page, Gordon. That would be a big star turn for you. You're going to end up on that one day when you dunk. Uh, Before we go any further, though, the show is sponsored by Hoka. Hoka just introduced the most advanced spike shoe. Yeah, that's right. The CLOX. We've been talking about them for a couple weeks. They're powered by the propulsion of carbon. There are two varieties, CLOMD for mid-distance, CLOLD for long-distance. Remember, the website is Hoka.com, Hoka Faster Forward. Gordon, show, show the people the spikes. Show everybody the spikes. Show those white, beautiful spikes to the camera. There you go. You know, one day, one day podcasts are going to be in hologram form, and you'll be able to actually hold the spike. That's going to be the, the future. Oh, wow. We'll be in the metaverse. You'll be able to hold the sponsorship of the Hoka spike. Uh-huh. It's terrific. Uh, remember, Hoka.com, Hoka, faster, forward. A little behind the scenes right now. So we can see the videos and the pictures that are kind of come up before they come up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And in between those pictures, the last one just plays. So the last thing that we have up is this wonderful Christopher Grant reel. So I'm just seeing it a million times as I'm trying to do the beginning of the show. And I can't concentrate because I just want to laugh again. So let's move on. Um, Folks, uh, if you want to comment on the show live, if you're watching... Go to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube page. A lot of people um, supporting Gordon's goons right now in the chat, which is a reminder, if you want to become a member of the Flow Track Podcast, you can click uh, click that membership button there. We're doing bonus pods for the members, and we got one coming up on Monday. So we got a bonus pod for members only uh, on YouTube coming up on Monday. So now would be a good time to join if you haven't joined yet. I'm sure we'll have something that's USA or conference related, because those are the big stories coming up um, this weekend that we talk about, maybe a little bit of preview action. So subscribe, uh, become a member, get all those, uh, get all those perks, Gordon. Yeah, get all the perks. And also, you know, subscribe to FlowTrack as well, because you can watch live events. We're live at the Big East Indoor Championships, and we're live at the, um, the BU Last Chance Invitational, which we'll talk about later on in this pod. Yeah. All right. Let's start first with USA's. How about we start with USA's? I got five questions that I wrote down going into USA's. You could expand this out even further. But for you, what are you watching for this weekend in Spokane? What event or what person are you most interested in following? I think the athlete I'm most interested in is Cooper Tier. To be honest, um, I think a lot of people would maybe say Don, someone like a Donovan Brazier or 
a Cole Hawker. But I'm interested in Cooper Tier for the pure fact that he is going all in on one event, and that event mm-hmm. being the 1500 as opposed to what you would think it would be being the 3K. And the if he comes out of this race, not just with making the team, but if he were to win this race, it's really going to open the eyes of a lot of people of like, what is Cooper Tier? Like, what is he? Is he been a miler this whole time? Have we been uh, distracted by the presence of Cole Hawker's long locks of hair and his mm-hmm. NCAAs and USA defeating of Centro and going on to become six at the Olympics? Meanwhile, Cooper yeah. Tier is just sitting back being like, you guys have no idea. I beat him yeah. every workout. He just happened to have a few wins. If I was in the race at USA's in the 1500, I would have been the guy looking over my shoulder towards Centro and towards Cole Hawker and getting the win. And we'll find that out because if he comes out there at USA's and if Cooper Tier finds a way to win this, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be like, whoa. I mean, that's, I don't know how much more description I can put into it, but it, my reaction is like, whoa, Cooper Tier is like, is the guy. Like, I think right now we all think Cole Hawker is the guy. And by the definition of the guy, the guy is someone that you can foresee making multiple world teams for like a decade. Like, the, the, the guy. That's a long time. Yeah, the guy. He, he, here are guys. The, the guys. Leo Manzano was the guy. Matt Sensowitz was the guy. Mm-hmm. Paul Chalimo is kind of the guy right now. Mm-hmm. I would say Nick Simmons was the guy. You know, you could think of these people who are like, no matter what, you're making yeah. a team. And if Kubatir comes out here and wins this indoor championship over someone like Cole Hawker, over a Craig Angles, over the rest of the milers in the country, yeah, Kubatir might be in year zero of being the guy. Or year one. Man, you're so. You're putting a lot of stock into US indoors. Um, they go straight to finals in both of these. So there's one 3K race and one 1500 meter race. And we saw how good Hawker is at doubling last year at NCAAs when he had 45 minutes. This time he's going to have a whole night's sleep underneath him. But Tier beat him in Chicago. And you look at the field, who's clearly better? There's nobody clearly better here. You have guys like Thompson, Angles, as you mentioned. Prakel's been solid. But you could see, and Colby Alexander's had a good season. But yeah, you could see this coming down to another Hawker versus Tier battle um, for those top two spots. And those top two spots would qualify for, for World Indoors, which would be you know, a great accomplishment in his first full year as a, as a pro. I don't know, though, beyond – do you think this will sway his decision on whether or not he's a 1,500 or 5,000 guy outdoors? Or is this just an, an opportunity to race at something shorter? I mean, it, I don't know. But, like, if he does win it – again, look at that field. You could say it's not that – but, like, the field has this, the, the sixth-place Olympian in it in Cole Hawker. The only two sure, people sure. missing yeah, from that field yeah. are Yard Nagus and Matthew Sensowitz. And Sensowitz isn't someone who's like going to be relevant in the 1500, you know, five years from now, four years, maybe even three years from now. Uh, so 
Nagus is Nagus. I just think that him winning this race is going to say I'm the best miler in the country. I think the winner. I think if he goes out there, wins a championship style race against Cole Hawker and against Craig Engels and the like, that's mm. the definition of being ranked number one, of being the top miler. And it'll just be crazy for the top miler to be like, I'm going to do the 5K against Chalimo, Kincaid, and Fisher. Like, he would have a better That's chance of making worlds yeah. in the 15. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm not going to go that far and say makes him the top miler. I mean, he, he would have won two mile races in a row, and his indoor season would have been three in a row. Now, if he goes to world indoors and then goes up against Jakob and, and holds his own there and is able to get a medal at a world indoors, then I think we're talking about his, his standing being number one. But I'm not going to give that to him. Just based off of this, the short indoor season. In the I country? do think it's an important. You yeah, I think you'd be the top miler in the country. Well, at that current second, yes, because by its very okay. definition, the best people are running. But what does that mean? It's I wouldn't if I was doing rankings of or projections of who's going to win U.S. champs in the fifteen hundred. Even if he wins, I wouldn't put him number one for what he's going to do in June. In part because I still him? think he's going to go go to the. I still think he's going to go to the five k. I, mean, I would I would still put him behind, depending on how Hawker does this weekend. I put him behind Hawker. I put him behind Centrowitz, for sure. And then we don't know about Nagus. So you put him fourth if he wins. If he beats Hawker, is he like undefeated against Hawker in these short races anyway? I feel like he is. the mile he does really. Yeah, it's interesting. He does really well against Hawker in the mile three and zero. Yeah. Three in and a mile. Um, so that's indoors, and then if you go outdoors. In the fifth, and the, include the fifteen hundred. He's been successful against Cole Hawker. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to. I don't want to oversell one. one I do. race, even though it has the even though it has the championship label on it. Yeah, and I, I respect that. Even though it has a championship label on, it, I don't want to get too carried away with what he can do. Um, I'm just saying, get I'm your features for... in now for USA's outdoors because <laughs> if Cole if Kupertier wins this, he's going to win outdoors. Yeah, I mean, I have here's my top ten. I put him on there at number 10. I still have Hawker. This is internationally. I still have Hawker at six. I didn't really move Hawker down when he lost to tier just because it was such a different type of race. And when you're comparing these guys internationally, you know, maybe some of those other guys would have also lost to, uh, to, to a tier heads up. But I think he's, yeah, I mean, he's legit. I think he's top 10 in the world right now. Um, Elliot Giles, Mohamed Katir right in front of him, McCall. I mean, that first. That first tier is pretty solid because you have, well, the first tier is just Jakob by himself, but Chariot's not in there because he hasn't been running. But Hor and Kerr and Tefera have been, have proven themselves indoors. Um, in terms of time and just can this person run an insanely quick time, two things I'm looking at are Holloway and Christian Coleman in terms of time. In terms of place, and I'll, I'm going to run through all these in a second in terms of place and how they fare i'm really most interested in ajay wilson because with a thing mo not there she has the opportunity to win again and stop me if you heard this before ajay wilson could win a u.s indoor title that's like all she does but right now in the world obviously you got hodgkinson number one after her 157 that's an incredible time but then there's a complete log jam in that next tier of women who could run world indoors between Wilson, Ghoul, Nakai, and Bisset. And I think there's a good chance, you know, Aji Wilson can can get up into that group, can get up into the medals 
again if she runs world indoors. The weird thing about her season is she doesn't have the crazy season best, but she won Milrose. She beat Gould, and Gould's gone on to him really well. And then she ran flat track in North Carolina where she didn't run that fast of a time. So her season is best is only 201, but she can obviously run much faster than that. So I just want to see, hey, can Wilson contend with Hodgkinson at World Indoors if they both decide to do World Indoors? Or is she in that second tier group with Ghoul, Nikai, say, who's going to be fighting probably for silver bronze? Both are improvements of where she was last year, but I think there's a chance that she comes out, you know, runs a 158. Um, and then we're talking about, hey, her versus Hodgkinson, that's going to be a pretty cool race at World Indoors. It would be great to have a thing Mo there, but Wilson Wilson has a shot to get the gold too. I'm kind of I'm going to zag while you're zigging. I don't know. The, the AJ Wilson experiment has kind of already been done. We've seen her now for like a decade. And the experiment? With the, the experiment. Uh, under, yeah, I mean, I'm not really interested in like, will AJ Wilson run 158? and potentially be a world indoor competitor because in my mind the presence of a thing mo even though she's not at this exact meet kind of just throws out the, the lore of anaje wilson and her ability that when i look at the women's 800 right now i'm not thinking about Aja wilson i'm just thinking about the two high school kids and roshin willis and sophia gorarian i want to see them break too i want to see um a high school kid make world indoors that would be pretty cool. And, you know, that's what I would get most out of this, this, this meet, this women's 800 specifically. When you know a thing Mo's not there, the next best thing, and it's going to be who's the other young gun, and I would love to see Sophia Guerrerian find a way to get second in this race and go to World Indoors. And then, you know, like, it would be pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm not as excited well, about the- a 158 AJ Wilson. Well, the best 158 indoors is fast. Don't forget that. I the know, best but... chance for the U.S. If we're just talking indoors here, the best chance for a U.S. gold medal is Wilson returning to form. That's the best shot. It's not somebody who is completely new at the stage going into their first championship. That's that's the first opportunity. So, I I, I mean, she's still young. I know she's been on the radar forever. That's just because she was so good, so young. Um, let's there. Let's run through these questions though that I have. Uh, first of all. Grant Holloway, world record, 60 hurdles. You buying? You selling? Selling. Sell, 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 sell. No, 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 no. Sell. No world record. He's saving it. Not yet. There's no need. We'll save it for world at indoors. No, no world record. Sell. I don't think he's capable of, of saving it. I think he's going to get so excited. He's going to get out there and he's got two rounds. So he's got two chances to do it. Yeah. I think he runs, I think he runs seven, three low. I don't think he's quite there. He's, I don't think he's quite going to do it, but the competition he gets here, Gordon, is going to be pretty similar to the competition he gets at world indoors. Devin Allen, likely the second best guy in the world. So if he's waiting for more competition, when he's going to run seven, two, nine, it's not going to come. It's going to be him versus the clock. This is why I think he's not going to run 729 at USA's. Because he's in a unique situation 
where this USA championship is an exhibition for him. He probably, Correct. because he's young and he likes winning titles, he's probably going to still try to win the race because he's there. But yeah. at the end of the day, he has a buy to world indoors. Whether he gets first or last, he's going to world indoors. So this is yeah. a, a fake qualification round. And I think with that in the back of your head, that's just a little bit of this is a fake race thought in the back of your head. Is going to be like, all right, I, I'm just going to run seven three seven and win. That's why. That's why I think because there's that little bit of this isn't that important. It's going to be like take away the ability for him to go all in on the world record. And I think flip side when a global title's on the line at World Indoors, there's none of that, and then he's going to go all in to run another seven point two. I approach it from the other direction. The fact that he doesn't need to be there and he's still going tells me that he's going to take advantage of it and he could take a big swing at this thing and really go for it. And we could see something special. There's That's that possibility point. as well too. Because why is he there? We all know getting people to go U.S. indoors is pretty difficult in the running events. It's not easy. And here's a guy who doesn't need to go in order to run at World Indoors, and he's still showing up. I think he's got this streak going back to 2014, and I think he doesn't look at these races as, oh, this is a, like a throwaway opportunity. I think he loves winning, and he wants to just keep winning. He wants to rack up U.S. titles. He wants to rack up as many gold medals as he can in history. So I think he's going to be sharp for this one. As I mentioned, <clears throat> Allen can give him as good a race as anybody else in the world right now. So there's not going to be a huge difference between this and Serbia at the World Indoor Championships. Now, picking four against the world record, I'll say it comes up just a little bit short just because that's a very high bar to meet. But I do think I do think we're going to see maybe the second best time of him in history. Maybe we see a 731. Maybe he matches his 732 that he ran in, in Leven. But you're not going to be shocked if we see the first heat and Holloway cruises and runs 7.35. And then you're going to go, oh, okay, here it comes. Like he eased up the last stride and he ran 7.35. Like something big is on the, on the horizon in the final. Here's my question for you. He is currently lifetime. Is he lifetime undefeated at the 60 hurdles? 2014. Because he's never so, lost the 60 hurdles. Last time he lost 60 hurdles, it wasn't the professional height it was like the high school height right correct correct yes do you think he will ever lose a 60 hurdle <laughs> prelim or final like do you think he's going to be able to retire never losing a 60 hurdle that'd be kind of no. cool i'm Why? i'm big on grant holloway i'm very optimistic about him but i don't think he's going to go career undefeated this isn't boxing i think he's going to run enough time he could and There'll be a certain point when he hits a hurdle or someone surpasses him. I mean, if, he, if, you, if you tell me he's going to retire at the end of 2024, then maybe. But I think he's going to be going for no. a while. This is, no, it's not about retiring. He doesn't need to retire. He just needs to know, okay, I know I have like not five running. years left in my career, but I know that I can't guarantee wins for 60 hurdles. So... I'm not going to like, I'm going to pick and choose my 60 hurdle com 
competitors during the yeah. latter years of my career so I can keep mm -hmm. getting more wins, but I know I'm, you know, I know I'm not going to lose because I know I'm not going to go up against some young 22-year-old who is running out of their mind. Or you could just be like, oh, I'm not going to do indoors this season. My hamstring hurts, right? Oh, my back yeah. hurts. All right, I'll wait for outdoors. I think if he plays it right and he times it right, he could figure out a way to have a perfect career at the 60 hurdles. I mean, if you're at this point, you got to start thinking about it. If he gets through this year and he wins another, he wins a world indoor title and he's undefeated, he's going to have to think about yep. it. Like, hey, I already done everything. I got the record. I got the global title. I got the USA title. What else do I need to do? Oh, I know. Let's see if I can just never lose. That'd be kind of cool. No one's ever done that. It's weird though, because never losing sometimes relates to not racing as much, which isn't fun. We don't want to see that. All right, let's go to Coleman. Let's go to Christian Coleman in the 60. Another big favorite. Looked good in Milrose, but we haven't seen him much since then. Ran 649. As I mentioned, though, he is the expected winner in this race, in part because he's a world record holder, and this is a dominant event for him, but also because Trayvon Bromel, second best guy in the U.S., isn't running and it's hard to pick somebody who you think could match Coleman. I mean, how quick do you think he will go here? And what do you think he needs to do to, to really feel good about that potential showdown with Lamont Marcel Jacobs at world indoors? Um, I don't think he needs to do anything special. I think he just needs to show consistency. I think he just needs to like, you know, first round run a low six, five, and then final run a mid six four, and be like, all right. I I put together the back to back races that if I replicate this at World Indoors, that's going to result in a title. I don't think he needs to do anything crazy. He doesn't need to, you know, flirt with you know low six fours. He doesn't need to do anything. Yeah, out of this world. I think he just needs to be like show an easy dominant prelim, and then show an easy dominant final because it's it, the competition is not going to be that good. I mean, Ronnie Baker is the really the only true guy <laughs> that can challenge him. And Baker mm. isn't running six fours right now. I mean, there's other guys like Cravant Charleston who ran six fifty two, yeah. but Cravant Charleston's not going to beat Christian Coleman. I mean, Christian Coleman owns the CC initials. Kavant Charleston's not going to take the CC initial yeah. title from him. It's big. Yeah, it's big. You know? It would be cool, though, if they do go one, two, because then you have a CCCC podium. Be sweet. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think C -C -C it's, just, it's just interesting that Jacobs has ended up racing more in the indoor season than Coleman has. I think, yeah, mid six fours is a good target for him. That's the fastest time in the world this year. Six four eight is fastest time by an American. But I think I think low six fours, mid six fours, maybe he's gonna win in at World Indoors. And you know, Jacobs has run six forty seven, but he hasn't done it this year. He's been really consistent in, in the six fives. I think he can go back down and high six fours. I think he can go down to six forty seven. But if Coleman runs six forty three. 
in Serbia. I just don't think Jacobs is going to be able to to meet him there. So I think he's going to want something south of 645 at this meet. Um, but that's certainly doable. And main main priority for him is qualifying. And I think that's in the cards because you just look at the field. It's it's pretty doable for for Coleman, even if he has a, a B minus race to get through. I really wish someone like Micah Williams could be in this race against Coleman. It's Michael Williams, yeah. young kid out of Oregon, runs 648 twice now. Yeah. That would really push Coleman to need to be on his best. But, you know, there's just not as much depth. I mean, Marvin Bracey, yes, Marvin Bracey is there. But Marvin Bracey also hasn't run, so you don't know exactly. what yeah. Bracey we're getting. Are we getting like a rusty Bracey? Are we getting a shiny Bracey? Are we getting like a... <laughs> A malleable Bracy, I don't know. You know, last you don't know. What Here's Bracey the group. I could see Bracy making it. I could see Charleston making it. I could see Baker making it out of that group along with Coleman. But then after you go past that, you're really reaching to try to figure out who could join Coleman on the team. I mean, Carnes has run six fifty three this what this year. Demet Kemp's run 648 in his career. But of the guys who are um, on the start list, it's just there's not a ton of combinations of people, so you feel really good about, about having Coleman in there. Um, so I, I, I'm guessing mid-sixes for him, and I think 645 would be, would be a good sign for him going into the World Indoor Championships. Here's my next question for you, Gordon. You ready? No. Okay. One more I'll thing. I'll ask this to Colt. Producer Colt. Colt then gets this question if you're not ready. <laughs> Producer Colt followed me on Instagram. I felt special. So I appreciate that, Colt. I followed back. Nice. That's big. All right. Did he follow you? Did he follow you? Or no? I did. He did. No, oh, no. You did. followed me, I think. I did. But I don't think I followed. I, hold on. Let me. I didn't. You didn't follow back? Follow you, Kevin. <sighs> I'll follow you. You right never now, followed Kevin. me, Colt? Oh, no, wow, that hurts. I, had, I looked at your I don't account. Follow it, was Kevin just, on it was just your family. I was like, I, I don't I don't need to follow this Kevin's family. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I stopped, I stopped posting. <laughs> I posted a little bit when I went to Doha. I was, I was getting into it. Maybe it's because I was like around Travis and I just I got that social media vibe going. Colt's account's weird. He's got some like different name thing on there. So I was confused, I think, when, uh, when I was searching for What are you talking about? Maybe it's, it's on Twitter Colt. Is it? Yeah. You had, I don't know. Was, something confused me about it. It's like okay. Gordon with the hashtags. I didn't and the clapping emojis. I didn't quite understand it. Yeah. Internet's Gordon, here's hard. your question. Hard. Gordon, here's your question. Will Brazier actually do the four eight double in this meet? Uh, what's the schedule? How's the schedule work out? The schedule is uh, on day one. So on Saturday, you have the four hundred meter prelims at two twenty four local time. And then the, you have the 800-meter prelims at 3.04 p.m., so 40 minutes apart. He will not run the 800-meter prelims. He will just do the 400. I think he's just in the 800 if he, like, trips and falls in the four. That's what I think. That's my feeling, too. Because you read the quotes from his coach, and it's just all indications are this is all about running the quarter. And not about the 800. The 800 is just the backup plan. I would love to see him in the 800. I'm definitely more interested in seeing him in the 800 than in the 400 because you have a pretty good 800 meter 
field. You have Bryce Hopple there. You have Isaiah Harris there. You could have a really fun race, Craig Engels as well. But it looks like the priority for him is the quarter and making that indoor 4 by 4 team. The 400 team is definitely makeable based on who's actually running in the meet. No surprise, 400 indoors does not have a lot of the top tier. Not a lot of the Olympians from 2021 are racing in in this meet. Um, do you do you think he can make this point? Can he get top two individually in this quarter? And if he can't, do you think he can stay in the top six so he's in the in the relay consideration? Yeah, I mean, I think he can win it. I mean, the 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 U.S. field is very weak because all the good, first of all, none of the good USA athletes compete at World Indoors or U.S. Indoors. And the best U.S. athletes at indoors are in college. Randall Frost isn't going to be there. Elijah Godwin's not going to be there. McKeever, the Iowa freshman, is not going to be there. Um, Mm -hmm. You can go on and on that there's just a lot of talent that won't be there. It's going to be an easy way for him to find a way to slide in and put together a good race. And I think he'll he'll finish top two. I don't even think... Top six is a question. I think the question is, can he win? I think he'll at least get second or third. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't win, say he gets fifth or sixth, so he's good enough to get in the relay pool, which I'm with you. I think he can finish top two straight up in this race. It's interesting because you look at the incentive structure for competing at U.S. indoors and competing at world indoors, and you could have the situation. I know he really wants to get on the 4 by 4 he could travel all the way to Serbia for world indoors, not to run the 800, not to win a global gold, but to be a member of a relay pool where he could run one round in a four by four. And I don't, I don't knock him for that. It's a new thing. It's probably fun to do. Relays are great. Relays are awesome. But it's just kind of a strange setup in terms of track and field because you'd think the opposite would be much more of a draw. I can go to, World Indoors, win my event, the 800, get a gold medal, stand on the podium, and get back to where I was in 2019. But instead, the more motivating thing is I can just be part of a relay, and I may not even run in the well, final. It's wild to think Here's about. the thing, though. Maybe this is a longer play, though, and let's say he goes here and he wins U.S. Indoors. He's not going to need to run 43 seconds or 44 seconds or beat a 43, 44 guy to win U.S. indoors, right? Because you can look at the field. He could have a U.S. 400-meter title that's kind of like a a fake title, right? But it doesn't matter. It still says 400-meter champion in 2022. Then he can be on a relay. He could be the anchor of a 4x4 that goes on to win a medal, wins gold. Mm -hmm. He could have a fast anchor split, right? So he's going to go into the outdoor season with a lot of this 400 meter pedigree. Then he goes yeah. out there and he runs good 800s. He's running well in the 800, right? He's dominating the 800. And then he's going to be like, they're at Worlds. He's already at Worlds because he's qualified. And he's going to say, hey, you see a thing, Mo? You're letting her run the 4x4. You see what I did? I'm a good 400 yeah, guy. Hold on. 
you got to let me run the 400 and then I'm on the four by four. And they'll be like, why? Well, last time I was on the four by four, you guys won gold. Last time I <laughs> ran the 400, I won hold a, on, I won on. a title. And hold I think on. that's what he's going to do because he, and, is he going to force USATF to say indoors isn't real? Is he going to force USATF to be like, yeah, that championship we held doesn't count. That would be you weird. Think they can't gonna... admit that their own product is inferior. They can't do yes. that. So, so they're like, that's... all right, you have to be on the four by four. No, that's not how it's going to work at all. If it is, the coaches are being taken for a ride. A thing Mo won the NCAA 400 title outdoors and had an incredibly fast time. If Brazier wants to be on the four by four, he needs to run one outdoors too. Because whatever time he puts out indoors is not going to be as impressive as what gets done outdoors. So that might be what they're thinking, but I think you need to give uh, the coaches and the people who are going to select it a little bit more credit in terms of how they're going to come up with this, this team. And he needs to do something outdoors. I'll say this. There's a couple wild cards in this men's 400 field that could make it difficult for him. 400-meter guys. No Williams, who's run 44-7. Now, he ran once this year, and it didn't go well for him, ran a 47, but he can go fast. Devin Dixon, who we've seen, now he's with the Brooks Beast, 800, another 800 guy who split a 43 before. We don't know what type of shape he's in. And Trevor Stewart, who hasn't run at all this year, but you know ran great in the NCAA, ran great at USA's as well, too. Those three guys um, could make it difficult for, for Brazier if they're in shape because remember he ran let's pull up his his milrose uh, i'd like to add there's one other person too in heat Sorry. one trevor trevor bassett he's legit yeah. four meter hurdle guy Mashland. but yeah but when brazier ran that 400 at milrose you know there was some tactical decisions he made that he didn't like he tried to like pass on the backstretch and he ended up losing to to christopher taylor the time wasn't that fast, but some of the guys that are running are Christopher Taylor caliber and can, can put out a performance similar to what Taylor did. So there's a scenario here where he does you know, make it into the final um, but isn't able to, to get the win. There's also a scenario where he can win. It just it depends on what these guys um, – what sort of form these guys are in. So – yeah, 46.55. And he's behind Norwood in that one too, correct? Am I remembering that right? Taylor won and then Norwood was second. And if you say, all right, well, he's going to correct for – he's going to correct for um, the tactical mistake he made. Well, yeah, but there's a little bit deeper of a field to go against. So I don't know. I just don't think this is going to work in terms of getting him into a 4 by 4 outdoors. The easiest path to that is run a 400-meter race outdoors and run it fast. Okay, but what if he goes out there and runs a 139-800 in May? Are they going to be like, yeah, we Great. still don't want you? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're doing this thing that you did last year where you just conflate Mo and Brazier regardless of what they do just because they both ran at Texas A&M and they won titles as freshmen and then went pro. A thing, Mo, the market – And then won global with... outdoor titles? Right, exactly. I mean, exactly. Brazier did win in 2019. Let's not forget. No, no, you're right. You're right about that. But – a thing, Mo, like what she did was was special. Like it'd be the equivalent to Brazier running a a forty three second 
high open quarter in the outdoor season. If that's the case, yeah, it's over. Shut the book. Put them on the team. Figure out the other three guys that are running. But that's that's not the same as him running a 400 an open quarter or running on a relay leg for the four by four indoors where he's going to run, you know, 45 seconds. It's just not the same thing. Totally different levels. I mean, Frazier has had some good splits for the record. I agree. That's what the, but it's what is he? But like, he's got a thing, Mo. A thing, Mo could get ahead of, like, got ahead of a lot of people. Frazier's got to get ahead of a long list of people. And the guys that we mentioned who are running in this race are, are contenders, right? But it's not Randolph Ross. It's not Michael Cherry. It's not Michael Norman. It's not Ryan Benjamin. It's not Elijah Godwin. There's a long, long list of people that he needs to get in front of. Trying to make a U.S. 4x4 team is no joke. I think Mo made it look straightforward, but that's the rule. Or that's the exception, not the rule. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Moving on. Um, women's, fi- women's 15 and women's 3K. Who gets the two spots in each of those events? Just with the men, we've seen a lot of doubles in the past because it goes straight final in both of them. Who do you think ends up getting those spots? Women's 15 and women's 3K. The 15, which, what's first? Uh, 15 is fir- 15's day one and then 3K is day two. Okay. 15, it's going to be El Perrier and Josette Norris. Okay. Very confident. Extremely confident in that statement. <laughs> All right. Just based on what they did earlier this season? Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know. I don't see someone like an Ella Donahue or a Sh- or Danny Jones. They're not like – they're like – they're in the like I'm, I'm good to be in to make finals mode, but they're not good to be like to win races mode. Watch, I could mm-hmm. watch both of those women go one, two, and I'm like, whoa. You're going to end up on a reel again. Jinx pick. Uh, yeah. Put that on the reel. No, but I just think that El Perrier, clearly, she's the best runner right now. And Josette Norris, I also think, is just constantly waiting to have her breakout race. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's had a breakout season, what now, two or two seasons ago now? And. You know, she didn't have her, her best Olympic trials, but clearly the talent is still in her. It's carried over into 2022, and I think she's probably going to be even better. And I just, there's not a, there's not like a, at least Cranny in the mix or Corsa Schweizer or, you know, Shelby Houlihan, you know, there's none of that, right? So it's just El Perrier. I think Josette Norris can easily get second in this race. Mm-hmm. Easily. Easy. So then, three k. Okay, what's three k? Well, you have the same same setup. So you have Perrier. You have Josette Norris, but you also have Monson, Kaladi, and then Osika and Donahue. I'd say are the main contenders. Yeah. So I think that. It's probably going to be Purier and 
Monson. That's what so I you think. think Perrier sweeps. That's what my. I think she sweeps. Yeah, but I also could see Perrier scratch the three K and be like, "I'm done with the three K," mm-hmm. and then I would go with a Monson and. Can I say it? Should I do it? Should I do it? Go ahead. Courtney Wayman. BYU. BYU. Taking a break from NCAA season. You picked her. Did you pick her in Milrose too? I did. But here's the thing. Milrose, it was fast, right? And it's just like she wasn't ready for that. We get some tactical action. Mm -hmm. You never know. I mean, Kaladi's not going to let it be slow, so this probably will never yeah. happen. But if I'm putting a caveat, if it's a tactical race, Courtney Wayman for a sec. I think if it's tactical, you invite a whole bunch. Like that's when you invite like Donahue's in it as well, and, and Osika too. I think <clears throat> I think Perrier's going to get the double. I just I've been in this meet a bunch of times, and it feels like there's always a double. Like going back, Jenny Simpson yeah. doubled. It just because it sets up easy. And the fields two races aren't as yeah. deep. Yeah, the fields aren't as deep. And if someone's got the hot hand, they have enough time to recover, and they come back, and they do it all over again the next day. So, yeah, I think Purrier gets both. I like the Norris pick, but I'm not sleeping on uh, on Osika or Monson either. Um, Kaladi will make it interesting though, as well. So my last question. We kind of already answered this, but not really, because you did it within the terms of Cooper Tier. You basically gave Cooper Tier the next 12 gold medals if he wins this weekend in Spokane, which was pretty bold by your account. They're going to build a statue of Cooper Tier in Spokane if he wins this weekend. Uh, Does Hawker, my question is this, does Cole Hawker have a better chance in the 1500 or the 3000? 3000 comes first. I would say... Taking away ability, I honestly think he has a better shot in the 3K. Just out of the pure fact that the 3K is more time to pass to remove a lot of the chaos. 1,500, 200-meter track, there's just so much chaos. You get trapped. You're just not there. And then all of a sudden, you blink, and you're like, shit, I lost. 3K, I think that extra mile in the race is going to allow for a herd of 16 to thin to five and then you have more wiggle room to like ensure that you're in good position in the final you know 400 so i think just I purely because there's just more time to thin out the field well and i'm look also looking at the quality of the field and 3k it's tough to come up with a list of people who could beat him emmanuel board just ran 13 flat but you got to give Hawker the advantage just on closing speed. Then you have Mance, Drew Hunter, Ben Blankenship. But it's not the same as having Cooper Tier, having Craig Engels, having Josh Thompson um, in that other, you know, and, and also having someone in the in the 1500, because, you know, you're going to be tired too coming back from the 1500, having someone like Colby Alexander, who's been pushing the pace, doing a little bit of a, you know, uh, like a Josh Kerr style racing, right? like Oliver Horse style race, like where they make it 
honest. So that's going to be the second race. The field's going to be tougher. I think 3K for Hawker is a better chance. So here's my question for you. Who in this field is going to be sending Cooper Tier a gift basket? A big with a giant thank you note for saying thank you for scratching this race because now I am qualified for world indoors. Because if Cooper Tier was in this race, 99% of the people, 99% of the simulations, it's going to be a Hawker Tier 1 2 in any order. But now that Tier is gone, someone in this field is going to finish second to Hawker. And that person wouldn't have if Cooper Tier was there. But now that Cooper Tier, they're going to give this Cooper Tier a gift. So who's giving Cooper Tier the gift basket? Because they're well, going to get second behind Hawker. Who's getting second behind I thought Hawker you, is my question. I thought you were going to say who gives Hawker the gift basket because he scratches out and only Ooh, does 1,500 at Worlds. So t- multiple gift baskets. I think Boar yes. is going to finish up there. I think Boar so is going to finish up there. He's been consistent. Yeah, he's been consistent. But I think he's going to get second in this race. Uh, why not Connor Mance? Connor Mance send a gift basket? Name the last time Connor Mance had a bad race. Uh, he did. Oh, um, I remember. It was, it, was like a, it was like a day when everyone at BYU ran really bad in like a 10K. It's like 2018. Was it 19? Okay. I remember. Oh, it was, it was wild. Oh. I remember that. That was that was. Well, maybe he wasn't at BYU. I was in he UG. Might have been on mission. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. He was there. That's where they went. He was like 22, 23, 24 in the NCAA 10K. Yeah. All right, that was a, that was a long time ago. That was yeah. so long ago. That was at the old Hayward Field, and we were at the meet. That's how long ago that was. 2018, 10K outdoors. Um, he's solid, and I know this is far from his wheelhouse distance or travis is pulling up the race it wasn't 20 i don't think he, he might score. not he might not have been in that race oh there it is yeah, yeah no there is 20 second yeah yeah making me doubt myself here Gordon. that's the last yeah they did not race. run well they did not run well they did not run well though. uh so yes he is he is the guy who's going to take advantage so i think he'll finish in the third fourth range and then if there's scratches it will elevate him because there's going to be scratches too people always talk about who doesn't show up to this meet, but there's also a fair amount of people who show up to this meet who don't go to Worlds. Yeah. Do you that think anyone is... to talk about your tweet? So that was me just subtly giving you the opportunity to talk about your Excel spreadsheet tweet, and you just you didn't do Excel it. spreadsheet tweet. It. Okay. So go. I went through. I went through, and I saw. I wanted originally. I wanted to do all the top eight finishers at the Olympic trials and if any of the top eight are competing at USA's, but it would have been a lot, there's a lot of people. And I was like, yeah, let's just make it simplified it. And I made it top three. And I thought it was interesting because you see a very stark difference between track athletes and field athletes. Mm-hmm. Most of the track athletes who finished top three at the Olympic trials are not running us indoors. You see a lot of red, right? A lot of yeah. red, you know, the top three hundred meter runners on the women's side there, two of the, the hurdlers, obviously one of them, Brianna McNeil, is suspended, but you get the point. Two 400-meter runners, two 800-meter runners, all three 5K runners, Franny, Schweizer, Schneider. On the men's side, Chalimo, Fisher, Kincaid, Nagus, Central, Isaiah Jewett, Murphy, Randolph Ross, Michael Cherry, Michael Norman, Fred Curley, Trayvon Bromel. It's a lot of names. And like, yeah. those people, 
when whoever wins, like whoever wins the 400 clearly is not better than Norman, Jerry, and Ross. And it's kind of sucks because you, you kind of put an asterisk on these winners because you know it's not a true champion type thing. Now, obviously, Coleman wins a 60. You could argue that's a true champion. Holloway wins a 60 hurdles. That's a true champion. But you look at a lot of these track events, yeah. you know that there's someone sitting at home who's just going to probably be, be better. Uh, not guaranteed be better, but like, you know, if this 3K yeah. had Chalimo, Fisher, and Kincaid in it with mm. Hawker and Cooper Tier, then there you're like, go. all right, this is, a, this is a real deal race. But it doesn't. Yeah. And if you go down to like fourth place, fifth place, there's a lot that just aren't in this field. Yeah. Field events, they all are doing it. Field events are like, <laughs> we don't care. Indoors, outdoors, don't matter. We're here to compete. And if you scroll, uh, Colt, and show the, uh, the, um, the field side, the second half of that graphic, uh, you can see basically all the field event people are um, competing. Yeah. Except for like Not Shelby that- McEwen, Joe Kovacs, and a couple like women's shot putters. No javelin throwers either. A little disappointed they didn't. Well, show. I didn't include. I didn't include no, javelin, hammer, or discus, or multis. Uh, if the, or if the disc people were really committed, they would show up anyway and just start throwing the disc around. Shout out to the women's fifteen hundred for recreating the podium in Spokane. Shout out to the men's high hurdles for recreating the podium in Spokane. Yeah, this is nothing new. We have this same conversation every every couple of years. And part of it is, yeah, I'm not ready. But the other part of it is, it's just not a priority. The prize money is not that high. There's other racing opportunities. You know, the, the Bowerman Group's going to go run the 10K in, in Southern California outdoors. They've moved on. They had their one race. in Now, Josh Thompson's running. So it's not going to say all of Bowerman. But the vast majority of Bowerman has, on the U.S. side of do things, you, has, has moved on. Do you think Jerry sits down with the Bowerman crew? He's like, hey, guys. We're not running USA indoors, and people are going to get mad. Let's Run's going to be like, well, "Why you, you're you're ruining the sport?" People on Flow Track can be like, "Where's Bowerman?" They're all just going to people on Twitter going to be like, you know, just criticizing us for not competing at USA indoors. So here's what we got to do: we got to give them a token, we got to give them a tribute. So who's who's it going to be? We need to have one Bowerman athlete at USA's, <laughs> so I can have an excuse being like. What are you talking about? We went to USA's. Our boy Josh yeah. Thompson was there. And do you think, how do you think they decided for Josh Thompson to be the sacrificial lamb for representing Bowerman at well, USA's to cover for Jerry, not running anyone there? Well, Centro hasn't been running. But, well, he's the only miler, right? He's the only US miler on the men's side. And well, even on the, on the women's side, do we, is there anybody who's a pure miler in that group now that you'd say? I don't know. It's it's skewed way Forget. more towards five and ten, and then steeple on the U of the U.S. U.S. Yeah. runners. Obviously, some of their Canadian runners can can run the fifteen hundred. But yeah, I mean, other than Centro, who hasn't raced at all, it's it's Thompson. So there's no other race for him to go and do in the beginning of March that's going to be fast. So he's going to do this one. It's a bummer. Does it's, it? It's obviously a- Josh. I'm oh, sorry. Continue. Go ahead. It's a bummer. No, go, go. I was just say it's a it's a bummer that this is how it's set up and we've done this enough times to where I just feel like this is how it's going to be 
in perpetuity. Like I can't imagine the there's going to have to be a massive reorganization of the sport for it to change. And then as mad as people get or as upset as people get in two months, they completely forget about it. And then they're just even a month, they forget about it because in the month we're going to be well into outdoor season and people are going to be talking about outdoor performances. But when you have a meet where the prize money for first is, you know, six grand, it's, you know, and there's no appearance fees. So the real motivation is, okay, maybe your shoe contract has incentives in it. You're not going to get a good amount of attendance. And then if you don't plan on going to Worlds anyway, then why are you going to go to this meet? But we can move on. We can talk about something else. No, one more thing about Josh Thompson. Bring up his yeah. uh, Instagram again. He's a dunker too, Gordon. Zoom in on his head. Zoom in on his head. On his on his doesn't oh, that wow. look like the Wonder Woman logo? Oh, with the heart there? No, like the dub it has like a W right above on to, to the left side of his ear. Looks like the yeah, Wonder but, Woman logo. Yeah, but on the right side, there's a heart, isn't it's there? Like a heart. That's yeah. the yeah. Drake heart, right? That's the Drake heart. Oh, Drake heart. So Drake, maybe <laughs> See, he's a big Drake fan. Colt, the ultimate millennial. Comes. Wait, you're not even a millennial. Cole. You're like a Zoomer, right? Gen Z, maybe. Oh, Gen Z. Didn't they, didn't they change that to Zoomers? Okay. Colt knows it's a Drake logo on the side of his head. The whole thing, that's the whole thing. I, I could logo? be wrong. So Drake did the initial, like, I carve a heart into my hair thing. I don't know if that's what he's copying, but that's my best guess. Good perspective here from Colt. Wonder Woman slash heart. Uh, I did see we do have Poopgate update, which is great. I love that they're... The New York freaking Times is updating us on the poop gate. Did you see the headline? Look at the headline. First of all, before we go any further, why is the running world a buzz? Many reasons, but especially number two. <laughs> Do you think this, this track ever expected New York Times to write a write-up about it? Anyway, all right. So we have a quote from the story. Um, as for, and I'll read it to you guys. As for what caused the school to restrict access to the track, nobody was willing to fully describe the misdeed. Ooh. Yeah, you know, you don't you don't poop and tell, apparently. Uh, Rosario said, Rosario, NAZ Elite head coach, said the incident occurred a few weeks ago, but he wasn't sure what it was. So Rosario doesn't know. Stephen Haas, agent for pretty much all of Flagstaff, uh, who trained on the track, said the rumors were only partially true. But wouldn't say mm. more. Only partially true. So, like, that, that's kind of an interesting way to like deny culpability. But you know, he doesn't want to say it out while it's happening. Anyway, but the story is clearly more than a rumor. Jennifer Chilton, the director of operations at the school district, acknowledged in an email that the school has reduced the number of reservations it was taking to use a track. The reason she said was mostly to make it available to students who want to use it. She's still, she said, it is accurate to say in a limited way that the behaviors of some runners played a role. Mm -hmm. It's accurate to say in a limited way. Pars and then Haas is saying it's partially true. There's all these yeah. like half measures. No one wants to just say someone took a shit. Uh, <laughs> she said that while she is not a runner, she has learned that runners relieving, themsel relieving themselves outside is not unusual. And that packing toilet paper is common and evidenced. Ooh, people brought toilet paper for their poops. They had evidence. They had forensic toilet paper evidence. This is just crazy to me. Imagine yeah. collecting this evidence and like, or the, 
that position. Um, so apparently, uh, because they're not allowed to be there, professional athletes have migrated temporarily, they hope, to less story tracks in nearby Cottonwood or Camp Verde, or obviously in Flagstaff, but, you know. Oh, though past yeah. reservations are being honored. Ooh, this is great. That means maybe some runners are still able to, to train on the track, and now this track is becoming like a VIP-type track where Rosario and Haas are kind of the gatekeepers. You're like, oh, yeah? You want to you yeah. do some, some uh, mile repeats? It's going to cost a little extra. You know, you can turn this into a profit-making scheme. Obviously, they're not doing that. I'm, I'm telling jokes here, but it's good to know that there may be some people who are like, they're probably going to be like, if you live in Flag, you can run. But if you don't live here, you can't. Maybe that's going to be a thing. I don't know. Uh, some members of the professional running community are working on a proposal to restore access to the track that they will present at the school board meeting next week. Oh, I hope this is recorded. I hope I, we get to see the proposal. It's just one line. We won't take shits anymore. We'll, we'll hold it, you know. That's I mean, it. maybe they pay for a, they buy a bathroom. Mm -hmm. They would do that. Just buy a porta potty. It's expensive. That's expensive. You're gonna get a lot of. You're How much are Oh, but see, the problem with the porta potty is you don't want to leave it out there all the time during regular school use. You want the ability. You don't want. You don't want a porta potty out there. You would need to build like a real bathroom out there that people can use real plumbing. why don't you want to keep That's it out there the porta potty costs 800 dollars. i just googled it because because you have a bunch of high school kids running around porta potty you put a lock that on never it. ends well you got to maintain never... the porta potty That's not a one-time fee exactly cool exactly so i just say go all in get a structure out there get the plumbing going and then you're all good you know we always joke about hey this should be the next season of cereal but the New York Times writing an article about this gets us one step closer to this actually being the subject of a seven-part investigative podcast. Because when you have the line like, why is the running world a buzz? Many reasons, but especially number two. It, it just makes me think that uh, we're getting closer to a full-fledged in investigation here. And uh, Kevin Draper is like a legitimate reporter. He, he's the one who broke the Salazar news a couple weeks ago. And then just on his off day, he's like, hey. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something a bit lighter. Let's see what's going on in the running world. Wait, what? Maybe Flowtrack could buy the porta potty, and we could sponsor it. It could be the Flowtrack porta potty. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? You wanna do that? Should we buy a Flowtrack? I mean, I don't know how All well. Right, typically, I, branding. You don't want to brand yourself with something where people are you know relieving themselves. Though typically, I don't think that's good for like name association. You could rent a porta potty for. Fifty to eight hundred dollars. With all expensive. the shoe company, with all the shoe company money involved, you could, they could probably build a structure out there. I'm guessing. I mean, it's probably going to be difficult because you got to run like pipes and stuff pretty far. But there's got to be a way to get get something going on out there. There's also be got to be a way for these adults to figure out how to manage when nature calls. And I know I've run a lot in my day. Sometimes it comes up when you don't expect it to, but that's a pretty drastic step to just go in the middle of the field or the middle of the underneath the bleachers. Like that's just a pretty. Most people didn't do this. Most people did not. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been using the, they've been using the track for years. Most people do not do this. Most people have control 
over their bodily functions, at least enough. It also, when I was thinking about it more, if we did the pod, it didn't surprise me because there's usually one person in every running group. doesn't matter the level. who's just a little bit out there and they do weird stuff on the run. And they also like to tell people. Yeah. And then they're like, wow, check out this guy who did this thing. And then before you know it, everybody in the running world uh, knows. Before we go, BU last chance this weekend on Sunday, live on Flow Track. Several big names running. You have uh, Josh Kerr running the mile, um, going after the British record, 352.02. And then also the timing will be set up for a 1,500-meter record, which is 334.20. Now, Kerr ran the 352.2 in Milrose, in that race that he lost to Oliver Hoare. Faster track, more time to train. Gordon, I think he's going get, to get these marks. Yeah, I think so too. I think he'll 100%. Kerr's top five in the world right now. He's definitely fit. I think he's ready to, to rip a fast one, and I can see him shattering the record. I can see him flirting with a, a 349, maybe even. I mean, oh, okay. He probably end up running like 350, but I could see him flirt with a 349. Why not? Yeah, you look at the list of people who have run real fast all time. Like right now, Be- Morgan Beetlescum is, I think he's 352.03. He's like just behind, now he's not British, yeah. but he's like just behind the British record. And, and then you go back, you know, Prakel, Gregoric, there's a lot of guys in there at 350 low where Kerr could, could slot in. So I think, I think he'll get it done. I'm guessing this is the last race indoors because he said he's not running world indoors, but just the extra time to train and the focus on the time versus having to worry about the competition. Because as, as you remember, once Kerr went by him, spirit's a little bit broken, and that could have accounted alone just for two-tenths of a second if he just is able to hold it together for a little longer. What else should we watch for at BU in this last chance meeting? Well, the Oregon men have decided to fly across the country to treat this as a last chance meet. Oregon could have gone. I'm sure they're also sending some of their athletes to the Pac-12 invite meet, which is hosted at Washington, but the men are guess recognizing, hey, the BU track is fast. We'd rather run on, run on a, a bank 200-meter track than a flat 300-meter track. And so uh, people like Reed Brown, James Gormley, Jack Uren in the mile, Aaron Benfeld is in the 5K. Uh, they're basically going all in on these 3Ks, 5Ks, miles. Uh, Lewis Peralta is in the 800. Um, Peralta is one of the best 800 meter runners in the country right now. So he's probably going to try to put together a fast race as well. And then also North Carolina A&T, they're sending their top quarter milers and 200 meter runners to this meet to try to run a fast four by four. Daniel Stokes is running a 200. He's trying to qualify, but they're four by four led by Randolph Ross. Those 400-meter guys are not at their conference meet. Their conference meet is going on right now, and they decided yep. to pull their fast 400-meter guys to go all in on a 4 by 4 And the question is why? They already have a time that's going to qualify. They're ranked fourth in the country. There's no way 303-39 won't be top 12 when the weekend's over. But the reason why is North Carolina A&T has a chance to win the meet overall like they're currently ranked second in my rankings one point behind georgia they have a chance to win the meet 
The thing is, the way the four by four works is it's a one, it's a timed final, and there's yep. three heats, and the heats are divided up by your seeds. So there's seeds twelve through nine, eight through five, and four through one. And North Carolina T is like thinking, all right, we're gonna need big points out of our four by four. If we're in the second heat and not in the last heat, it's gonna be a huge disadvantage because even if we win our yeah. heat, there could be another heat and all four guys, four teams run faster than us. And all of a sudden we're turning 10 points into four points. And that difference of six right. points could be huge. So their goal is to maintain a top four slot. They're currently fourth, but with SECs coming, we know Florida is going to run a faster time. USC might run something out there. Basically North Carolina T's like, we need to run a fast four by four to stay in the top four. And BU's been known for fast four by fours. Western Kentucky, yeah. they went to this meet in 2019 to try to get a four by four time to get into the top 12. And they pulled it off. They ran 304 there uh, by themselves solo to qualify for NCAAs. I think A&T is going to run a lot faster than that. They're going to probably run in the 302, maybe even 301 range uh, because they have basically the fastest 400 meter runner in the world right now indoors in Randolph Ross. Yeah. So. It's going to be exciting to see a fast four by four to end the BU Invitational, um, especially with these North Carolina A and T boys. So yeah, we know the BU track is fast. Don't always associate with sprinting, but it's certainly faster than the flat track where their conference meet is held. Yeah, and that's the issue here. Is this is all about chasing marks for them and getting themselves in a good position for indoors. We also have like Natoya Gould's running the open quarter. As well, so there are some some interesting entrants in the in the shorter distances as well. So something to watch there with A and T. That's live on Sunday on Flow Track. You can check that out. Let's, let me look at the chat here for a second. Okay, a lot of poop gate thoughts, but um, someone says, "I hope you guys not <laughs> sleeping on unknown Mary Beth Sant Price for the 60. No, we're not sleeping on her. I have her whatever third or fourth in my my rankings. I think I have Briscoe ahead of her, but. She's a number two American right now. And with Elaine Thompson hurrah out, if St. Sam Price or whoever makes it from the U.S. has a chance to medal at Hell yeah. indoors. And she's been real consistent with the seven lows. So I think going in, are there only two heats in this whole, this whole meet, Travis? That's it, huh? So Sam Price, um, top, yep, top heat or top seed. And then you got Briscoe, the top seed in the other heat. I mean, look at the, look at the season's best there. Other than those two, nobody else entered. The next fastest is Kiara Parker, 7 uh, 10, and Kayla White, 7 13. And then it pretty quickly goes up um, from there. So these, these two women uh, are the favorites to make it to world indoors. And I think if they do, you put them in a group with Brianna Williams, you know, maybe Cambodji in there as potential medalists. So Sam Price can medal. Now, what that means for outdoors, I don't know. It's the same thing I said with Swoboda. What does it mean for outdoors? I don't know. We'll wait for outdoors for that. Conference championships are also this weekend. Watch Big East live on Flow Track. Got the, the Georgetown boys, Villanova women, Providence. They had a great basketball game. I'm not sure if you watched it. It was like a thrilling, like double overtime win. I only watch uh, Duke. Games I watch a lot of basketball. Person. That's all I do. <laughs> but yeah, Big it's East live on Flow uh, Friday and Saturday. Check out all the action. That's going to be good. Other conferences are happening around the country. We'll recap them all on Monday. Uh, yeah. Yard Nagoose fell in a DMR. 
He's also not entered in the any of the other races, so he's done for the weekend. I thought he was going to maybe fly over to USA's and try to run the 3K at USA's, but no. But we have a little clip here. We don't know exactly what happened because we have just the beginning of the end of the fall. So uh, weird. Virginia so Tech, do you think they knew what they were doing? Like, hey, just they, show us a little more. Give us an extra two seconds. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, scroll uh, back a little I, bit. There's yeah. co- conspiracy theory, though. I mean, this was on Virginia Tech's track. Virginia Tech women won. Virginia Tech men won a DMR. Do you think there was maybe like a booby trap on that inside lane and kind of tripped up Yarnagoose? I could see it. There could be someone in the machine room clicking a button, yeah. like boom, take them out. Let's get this one. Wet spot. Wet spot just mop, happens to be they there. Don't mop, mop the floor on a it, on a basketball game. Okay, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw something to you. Um, throw it. This might be too big of a topic to do at the very end of the show. It seems to me the biggest factor in indoor success, other than just you know how obviously the talent of your team, but geographical location to a fast track, one, and two, how much your school cares about your conference meet. Can you repeat the question again? It's not a question, more so a statement. I just think there's there's two factors indoors that play a much bigger role than they do outdoors. One is a ge- geographic location to a fast track your ability to get the, to these meets where they have fast races and fast fields or your the financial ability to get there. And two, whether or not your school cares at all about conferences because there's some conferences where coaches will not pull their best athletes. They can't take them to a different meet because they're saying, hey, listen, my AD looks at these results. I'm judged by how we do at this conference meet. So do you care about conference and how close you are to to a fast track? I think are just really huge factors in indoors um, more so than much more so than outdoors. I could play devil's advocate because there are schools like that don't have conference that do well indoors. Like the that's Pac-12 my point. Schools. That's my point. You don't, it, the less your, your school cares about it, the better because then but you can just go all SEC in on SEC cares about it and they do well all the time. Okay. That's fair. That's fair, but I'm I'm just thinking about, about distance, maybe and distance. Well, I just remember um, you and I. I don't know which coach it was. I think it was at a press conference, even. I don't remember. Basically, complaining because Pac-12 never had to do indoor conference. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's like it's seen as a free pass, and you got schools flying all over the place to get these last chance marks. SEC in the sprint, you know, they're good. They're good regardless, and they can create their own magic here. But it, it's, oh, yeah, I remember asking it's like this if question. you're con- Yeah. Okay. This was, what year was that? 2015. Okay. But even still, I remember, I remember sooner because it was w- when I worked here, when we were talking about it as well too, but yeah, that's all. That's all. Just to, just, I want to throw that out there at uh, 10 minutes after the bell, just to make sure Colt got his money's worth um, for producing the show. Good job. I, want, I was doing some, uh, Conversions. I got a question for you. This is gonna be a fun one. All right. All right. This is gonna be the last one though. Yeah, let these last one. Last one. The DMR. They're the top twelve DMR times in the men. The twelfth time is nine twenty four. Okay. 
925. Yeah. NAU is running in <laughs> Bozeman, Mount, uh, Montana. Okay? Yeah. It's a flat, flat track, track at, at, at altitude. I did the math. What do you think they need to run in the DMR for them to crack 924? Flat track and altitude. What do you think that conversion is? 10.02. No, it's not, it's not that. No, you just, you just ruined it by just saying a stupid number. It's 9.40. Ask it again. Oh, I was going to go 9.50. Not, so. 9.40. That's not that fast. Right? No. That's a oh. 258, 1200, a four flat, 1600, 152, 800, 50 second, 400. They could do that. I looked running. up 3K. They need uh, Nico Young, who's going to be running the 3K, is going to need to run 803 or faster to qualify because uh, Nico Young's not in the 3K yet. I thought that was interesting. So who are they running in the DMR? Do you know? It'll be Abdi and Nico. In the twelve and in the twelve and the sixteen, like they're two best milers, but four and eight, yeah. I have no idea. Well, uh, but Bozeman's at forty forty eight hundred feet, so that's coming down for the Flagstaff folks. Oh, that's true. Let's bring this full circle. When let's bring this full circle. We started the pod talking about uh, uh, Auburn sprinter Christopher Grant's great uh, content that he made about your Lane Thompson rock comments. Do you know where he started his collegiate career? Christopher Grant? Yeah. Calabar? Collegiate career in the U.S. Oh, collegiate career. Well, I mean, now, is that all? Now right? you're, now you're ruining the beat. Where, where, is, where, where do you start? NAU. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. NAU doing some good recruiting out there, getting some uh, Jamaicans out there to... Or, maybe yeah, that, that's true. Maybe that's how he... Maybe that's how he found uh, first found your content was watching running with the boys back in the day. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all. Fun story. Kind of slow ending to the pod. Got to be honest. We, like had, we really hit our we really hit our stride about five minutes after, but ten minutes extra just too much. Double overtime. We couldn't handle it. Thanks, Travis. Thanks to Colt. Check out all the meets uh, this weekend. As I mentioned, the BU last chance meet on Flow Track on Sunday. Monday, I'll be on the road in Fayetteville. We'll still do, the, still do the pod as scheduled unless something happens to me. And then Gordon is just going to go straight one hour to camera. It's going to be amazing with one shot. Um, become a member of the Flow Track Podcast. If you haven't yet, you can go on our YouTube page, see how you sign up, because you will get a bonus pod coming next week. Appreciate everybody tuning in and downloading. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Happy James Harden Day. <laughs>